I'm Tommy from Indiana. I'm Jeff Williams from Brooklyn, New York. I'm Russ from Bloomington, Indiana. The Sound of Young America is an independent production supported by listeners like me and you. If you'd like to support the show like I did, visit MaximumFun.org and click on Donate. I'm Jesse Thorne, live on tape from my house in Los Angeles. It's The Sound of Young America from MaximumFun.org and PRI, Public Radio International. On this Sound of Young America program, comedian Al Madrigal. Before we get to my interview with Al, let's hear some comedy from his brand new CD called Half Breed. I got one of these new little uh, fucking babies. I'm not sure if anybody's got one of these fucking babies, uh, but it's crazy. I've got a new 11-week-old baby, and then I've got an old baby who's trying to kill the new baby. Because he's a jealous little dick who needs to realize his time in the spotlight has come and gone. We moved on to the new baby. We don't give a shit as much about guinea pig baby anymore. We're moved on to let's not make the same mistakes, baby. I'm just glad that this new baby's out of my wife, because I'm not sure if you guys knew this. At eight and a half months pregnant, women get really horny. And then they're also very gassy at the same time, which is a bad fucking combo if you're the husband. My wife comes up to me all pregnant, and she says, hey, do I still look hot to you? Do I look hot to you? I go, sure, honey, you look hot there. And she goes, you want some of this? You want some action? No, thank you. It's the Sound of Young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guest, Al Madrigal, is an actor and comedian who won the prestigious Best Stand-Up Award at the 2004 Aspen Comedy Festival. He can be seen regularly on the CBS sitcom Gary Unmarried, and uh, he's got a brand-new comedy CD called Half-Breed. Uh, <laughs> Al, welcome back to The Sound of Young America. Yeah, it's great. It's, I haven't been in quite some time, I don't think. There was many. You co-hosted The Sound of Young America with me once many years ago in Santa Cruz. And I think I had, um, I had a, I was a sidekick, right? We had yeah, a monitor, were, taco, or, right? Or it you was made a, up your own name, yeah. Okay. You, you made up a sidekick, an appropriate sidekick name, Gee-chee. as I recall. Yeah. Well, it's great to have you on The Sound of Young America uh, properly as a, as a famous television comedian. Um. <laughs> now, um, so thing, a couple things have changed. Okay. Uh, the intro is still signed. The curse of the uh, jury award for best stand-up at the HBO uh, Aspen Comedy Festival, because I don't think anyone that has won that has gone on to do too, too much. I think Greg Fitzsimmons is a winner. Right. A successful stand-up comic. He's successful. He's making a living for his family. Yeah. yeah. But or not probably a good living. Great living. But breakout success? Not a breakout success. All right. And then uh, was it? Dwayne Kennedy, another winner. Yeah. Dude, doing fine. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Paying for his, you know, yeah. playing comedy clubs. Sure. Uh, Kirk Fox. How about this? Try this on for size. HBO Aspen Comedy Festival. That's gone. <laughs> yes, <laughs> That exactly. went out of business. That so it didn't work out, out for the did, HBO Aspen didn't work Comedy out Festival. The festival. It didn't work out for it. And so, uh, Dan, there's a long but list you're of being But you're being falsely modest because uh, you've had a successful television career since 2004. Sort of. you, you've done uh, uh, several um, pilots. You've done uh, two shows that have been on television. You did yes. Welcome to the Captain with... Uh, uh, Jeffrey Tambor, the great and hilarious uh, past sound of Young America guest Jeffrey Tambor, and the in the beautiful Raquel Welch. Yes, true, true. Uh, which I saw on an airplane. 
Wow. Um, two episodes on an airplane, and uh, you're currently on the uh, uh, moderately successful television program, uh, Gary Unmarried. I'm going to revise that as well. Not currently on. Not currently. Does that not the, exist anymore? The show has gone on. They eliminated my character. What happened? Something. Was, something I was, is, I was is there going to be a storyline? Yes, there is. I was part of a painting crew. Uh-huh. And he's no longer going to be a painter. They've decided that he's going to stumble into a sports talk radio station and uh, the mic's going to be open and i believe he's just going to jump on there gotcha and it's going to be a huge success and he's going to uh, abandon his career as a painter and this was because they they didn't think you were funny what's that i you know what there were sweeping changes the poor the showrunner very funny guy um was asked to move on and the creator so the two showrunners and creator the creator of the show was asked to uh Ed Begley Jr. is no longer going to be on the show. The very funny Ed Begley Jr. Exactly. So I really don't feel too bad. Uh, I was able to uh, bank all the cash, and uh, maybe I'll move on to bigger and better things. I have this thing coming up with uh, Rain Wilson that I'm very excited about. Oh. That he's doing for Microsoft. Not sure how much I can talk about it, but seeing um, that, it's about uh, two guys who sneak into the country and become Foley artists in the movies called Los Foley Guys. Uh-huh. It's uh, one of Rain's ideas, and he's going to be in there. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, I'm playing a Russian movie producer that has us come over his house and uh, do some Foley. Well, uh, let's. I want to uh, let's get back to the beginning of your career because um, you were right there from the very beginning. So. I'm surprised. I was surprised to learn. Um, that I was right there f- from the very beginning because I think I I got to know your comedy maybe at the very end of the 1990s, um, but which is you know ten ten ish years ago now. And I started in 1998. Yeah, and th- that's what that's what surprised me because you were um, you were like not just a grown adult, but you were you were you you had like had a career. By the time that you started stand up comedy, you worked for uh, you worked for your your folks ran or your family ran a uh, like a human resources outsourcing company of some kind and still exists to this day. Judy Madrigal and Associates, JMA HR Management, and um, my mom was able to. And she went from it's an amazing story. She was cleaning houses. My dad's a teamster and he was a ship chandler, supplying ships with uh, everything from Coca Cola and all the chemicals. And uh, my mom was cleaning houses and then got a job as a secretary working for this um, company. It's a staffing company. It's called a PEO at the time, Professional Employment Organization. So they employ you from, uh, you know, from your file clerk to the president. So technically you don't have any employees. So um, she works there for about 10 years. Uh, the owner, I think he got in a bit of financial trouble and he basically gives up the company. Now, she's been there for 10 years, the longest-standing employee, and was able to buy it, I think, for three installments of $50,000. And um, it quadrupled in size after she was able to purchase it. She ran it properly. She'd been running it all this time, you know, for three or four years anyway, and the guy was an absentee owner. And um, it was best investment ever. Just able to make a lot of money. So it's a great rags-to-riches story. Uh, where she and then I came in right in, and I was firing people for the most part. We had three thousand employees at one point leased out, so if anyone needed to go, I would be the guy that'd show up at four thirty on a Friday and say, "Hey, how you doing? My name's Al. Uh, we're meeting under unfortunate circumstances, but it's been determined that today is going to be your last day of your final paycheck." 
Did you have like? Did you have a spiel that you I really did? That was that was really it. Uh, it's been determined as very key because they try to argue, but I, I know it's already been decided. It's a great thing to say when you have to uh, break some difficult news, and the group has decided that today is going to be your last day. We've given you opportunities. It's just not a good match. I'd say that a lot. It's not. It's just not the best match. You're going to match up. Somewhere better else. How often do you have to do this? I was doing it about three or four times a week. I've easily fired over a thousand people. Wow, that's yeah. a lot of people. And I've had some really weird situations too. I had guys uh, threaten me, uh, machine shops, a variety of jobs. I had African American medical assistants in Oakland um, push me up against the wall. A group of three women, and uh, because I smirked. I actually smirked. And you're a smirky guy. I mean, yeah, I yeah. should say you you've got a you've got a very genial face. Sure, I was, and I actually got a little pleased that there was some action <laughs> because all these uh, terminations had gone so well for me. I was really hoping that there'd be little trouble that I could make it interesting. And, and sure enough, here it was, and I smiled at the opportunity to get out of it, and um, that was just what sent him over the top. And they cornered me, and they actually put their hands on me and put me up against the wall. I'm not going to touch anybody. I had a uh, Russian nurse grab my files because I had all this evidence. She was giving bad shots to kids, and she ran. She took my evidence and then ran down the hallway, went and locked herself in her office, called her husband. I'm 22 years old when this is happening. And she called her husband and said, Andrew, Andrew. Andrew, there is a man here telling me lies, and I do not want to tell you this, Andrew, but I am pregnant, and I think I'm going to lose the baby because this man is causing me such stress, and I'm just freaking out. This is like my, you know, uh, you know, twentieth time, and they're entrusting me to do this, and uh, I learned to block the door. A lot of people don't. You don't think about that. You're firing somebody for the first, second, third, fourth time. Block the door. And I went back to my mom and, and said, uh, yeah, this went horrible. She goes, did you block the door? How was she able to run? If you, I told you to block the door. And that's the thing. <laughs> it's because somebody could just get up and take off. Never think about that. I'll be right back. And they just take off. And what are you, you're, you haven't accomplished the goal there. Of it's, sort of like a, it's sort of like a process server yeah it really you is have to actually tell them directly so if they book before you finish yeah a lot of weird stuff i mean it's just when you fire that many people i know there's people in hr listening it's a weird job and people mess up especially all the people that bring a lot of crap with them into work and so you've got you're holding a ficus walking out in the parking lot and they go and they're crying i just want to say goodbye to my friends <laughs> you go no you're gonna have to talk to your friends later um, or this is a business we still have to conduct business. So I had all these canned responses for all these weird situations. I'll take your rubber plant, and uh, I. Uh, how did you learn all this stuff? Like, how do you prepare for? It? Like, how much? How much did you? Did your mom tell you going in? How much did you learn from making terrible mistakes? There wasn't that much prep, and I just um, I went on a couple. You know, I was there as a witness and uh, went in and saw it done. But it's really just be professional, be polite, and give people an opportunity to speak if they want to and not make too much of a scene. But sometimes people want to say, this, oh, this is crazy, this place sucks, you know, and just they go nuts. And um, just want to, you know, don't make me. I had a guy masquerading as a physician. 
because we were taking care of a lot of medical offices. This guy was calling himself Dr. Tuan and seeing patients on the weekend. He's not a licensed uh, physician at all. He's in an orthopedic surgeon's office, and so he was there to do mostly the sports therapy stuff and grab me and put me up against a wall, buff guy, you know, and had a uh, stick in his hand up to my throat. And I swear, I really do remember this uh, vividly. It's, I didn't even break face at all. So now, Tuan, what are you doing here? <laughs> really? <laughs> you want to? Uh, you want to? You want to go ahead and get me call the cops? You want this to be a big thing? Let's just go. It's ended. It's done. There's nothing you can do. You're just going to make it worse. Please leave. And so you become this guy that's like the fixer. It's like um, Harvey Keitel in Pulp Fiction. You know, just going in to horrible situations and saying, okay, it's not going to be a problem. The doctors or whoever the client is is hiding off in the corner and locked themselves in a patient room, and you're there to just make everything okay. And so stuff goes bad, and you're there to talk to people through it. And so I ended up being this cleaner, like uh, this guy. I had a phone call where uh, Vietnamese... Uh, employees, the Mungs, just like from the Grand Torino, uh, were um, squatting on top of the toilet seats and going to the bathroom everywhere. And so the owner of this uh, company in East San Jose calls me and says, yeah, Al, you got to get down here. I can't even explain it to you. It looks horrible. <laughs> and I just went in and um, I had to teach these guys how to go to the bathroom. But the most important thing, I, I solved it immediately. I just appointed a bathroom monitor. I said, this is how you do it. You're going to check in. The guy's going to walk in after you're done, take a look around and see if you're – it stopped you know, immediately. And so it's not – it's just fixing people's strange problems that they encounter at the workplace, fights. You, know, to... you, you seem surprisingly unperturbed by all of this. You seem typically Al Madrigal placid. <laughs> well, like this, it, it sort of helped me for stand-up because I really wasn't phased like, in heckling situations – I really don't get too riled up. I sort of get riled up as a joke, you know, with the other comics in the back of the room. I'll screw you, lady. You want me to come down there, huh? And uh, nickname people and stuff like that just to mess around with people in the back. But for the most part, it's like, oh, come on, buddy. Don't make this difficult. Just let me do my do my lines and have a good time and let's get out of here. When you're doing stand-up comedy, especially at the beginning, you tend to sort of uh, work a very small rotation of, of local comedy clubs. You know, in the in the Bay Area, you're you're working in um, there's a club in Sunnyvale, and there's two clubs in San Francisco, and then maybe you're going to Sacramento and that kind of stuff. Sure. Um, and when you'd fired like thousands of people, did you ever have people that that recognized you from real life? I had at uh, the club in Sunnyvale that you mentioned, um, I was on stage. I was featuring and looked out, maybe even hosting, and looked out. And it was from Don McMillan, a Bay Area the tech comic, right? And look out, and there was actually to the stage left, in the middle, and the stage right, there were three guys I had fired. <laughs> and I was doing very well, except for with those three guys. Just <laughs> glaring at me. And I wanted to say I think I did say something. I pointed out and like winked and said, how you doing? Nice to see you. It's the sound of young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guest, Al Madrigal, has a brand new comedy album. It's called Half Breed. Here's a clip from it. 
Also, never bring your sand toys to the park. You want to hang out with a baby someday? Don't bring anything, because what happens is you put your sand toys down, right? And all kinds of other little babies see your shit. And they start popping up like curves franchises out of nowhere, right? And they want to come over, and they want to take your things, and they want to run off in a million different directions. And here comes a scummy white trash baby with two streams of mucus coming out of their nose. They got some bad Mervyn's outfit on that makes them look like a gay train conductor, right? And they want to slither their ass up and infect you and your nice interracial family, all right? If you're a parent, please do me a favor. You see anything on your kid's face, wipe that shit up. I see, I see any little bit of anything, of food or anything, I'm attentive. I'm on it because I don't want my kid to appear scummy, right? And then you have all these kids, right? You see them walking around, fucking just two streams, fucking right into their lip. Uh, and then they've got food from yesterday there, right? They got their dick out by the slide. And you're just like... And they come over and they try to rub up against you and your fucking baby, right? I've been sick enough. I will box your little scummy baby out. I will push it off one of the high levels of the play structure, and I'll make the whole thing look like a fucking accident, all right? Before mommy CSI can come over and go, what happened? Who started it? Production of The Sound of Young America is underwritten in part by Ask Metafilter. Thousands of life's little questions answered. Online at ask.metafilter.com. This September, MaximumFun.org is headed east. You can check out The Sound of Young America Live, our live stage show, in Philadelphia September 16th as part of the Philly Fringe. It's a live Sound of Young America program played out before your very eyes with music, comedy, and interviews. Our guests on the Philadelphia show include the Spinto Band, comics artist Charles Burns, the director of the Mutter Museum, and more. Then the next night, we'll be offering the freewheeling comedy of the Monsters of Podcasting. That's You Look Nice Today and our own Jordan Jesse Go. On the 18th, we'll be headed to New York for a live show at the Jerome L. Green Performance Space at WNYC. My guests include Scott Adsit from the NBC Comedy 30 Rock, musicians Nellie Mackay and Andrew W.K., and much more. Saturday, September 19th, the Monsters of Podcasting hit the UCB Theater in New York. For more information and tickets, visit MaximumFun.org. Hello, everybody. My name is Jimmy Pardo. I'm uh, the host of the very popular podcast, Never Not Funny. We are popular in both a free and paid format. Your choice. I prefer you go with the latter. Uh, I am alongside my co-host, who is also the producer, who's also uh, got the new nickname, The Entrepreneur. His name is Matt Belknap. How you doing? I'm doing okay, Matt. Thanks. I appreciate you asking. Um, I said thanks. No, you did. And I guess Jesse Thorne, who is the host of The Sound of Young America, who is a delightful man and funny in his own right. And a friend of ours. A terrific friend and a close guy. I would call him in a heartbeat if my car broke down, but it won't because I've got a new car. Uh, he asked us to put together a little 30-second commercial, and I don't know what to do for that, so I'm just going to talk nonstop. Well, the good news is we're already over time. <laughs> All right, great. So, uh, listen, this is the, if you like what you just heard, listen to our podcast. Yeah, just go to podcast.com. Everything you need is right there. We have comedians, actors, broadcasters. Yeah. Uh, from Funny uh, people doing funny stuff. We're just talking, enjoying ourselves, making each other laugh. Podcast.com. Please join us. It's the Sound of Young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guest, Al Madrigal, has a brand new comedy album. It's called Half Breed. What was it like when you uh, first started auditioning for 
acting jobs? Because I don't know, do, did you did you have acting training when you started acting? No, not at all. I mean, I, I, was, uh, I went to SI, uh, St. Ignatius uh, College Preparatory for Boys in the city. I think it was in a musical at the end of that, my senior year. I was a comic relief in a musical. I did um, some stuff in the Winter Pops uh, where I impersonated some of the uh, faculty members. I did a, a dead <laughs> on. I did a Father Prieto. Nailed it. <laughs> and, uh, Old Father Prieto. Yeah, I did that. I did very uh, – and became sort of popular doing this impression of the uh, the principal, the, the head priest there. And so I'd go in the announcements and do something. I had no acting experience <laughs> at all. And I auditioned about eight times for this Ortegas. And I just, it was a nationwide search for this Latino comic. And I ended up getting it. And Cheech played my dad. And so that was just like sort of trial by fire. And um, then through the auditioning process, just became a little bit better at it. And certainly shooting these shows, then, um, you know, working with Jeffrey Tambor and uh, Welcome to the Captain. So it's all sort of happened quickly. And, uh, you know, acting classes along the way and private training. But um, what's it like for you as somebody uh, who is not um, who who doesn't have a a lifetime of taking acting classes to as an adult successful performer step into acting classes? I mean, acting classes are ridiculous. Yes. And they're uh, they're they're supposed to be. I mean, you know. That's no, part of it's the just point, yeah, the the group acting class really does. I mean, because I, I took an acting class here with this guy Howard Fine. I just felt like he hated me. He hated. <laughs> he said um, uh, Gary Shandling and uh, Jim Belushi are the only successful uh, stand-up comics that I've taught. So there you go, <laughs> and. Uh, I haven't read there. That's all. a broad spectrum between Gary Shandling and Jim Belushi. I know he lost me on Jim Belushi. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, really? Yeah, there's a shot for me." Or it's just—I mean, it's, uh, there's no hope for me if you think I'm not even this close. Uh, I guess you know <laughs> that show it, for whatever it was, according to Jim, was on the air for like eight years. I think it still might be on the air. So who am I to you know make fun of Jim Belushi? He's terrible. <laughs> He really is. Yeah, Wasn't he the uh, in Trading Places when he came out of the monkey outfit? And uh, oh, he was, uh, he's, yeah, he's, okay, all right, that was good. Yeah. Right. Anyway, so um, I just uh, had to suck it up because um, the actors are so horrible and just so cheesy and just, uh, <laughs> with all the um, you know channeling your emotions on stage to go up in this group of people and cry that's what you really need to be able to do is just to uh, recall something and use it later on and so as long as you're sort of good at that but I got to watch um, Jay Moore uh, you know, and Gary, I'm married, who's, you know, he's a really good comic actor and uh, not prep and not, you know, who knows what technique he was using. But he was just, I think, if anything, um, he was just really in the moment. The mo- the guy I learned the most from is Max Gale, who um, was on Barney Miller. I don't, it, I'm going to mispronounce the character's name, but he was uh, Wajahowitz or, you know, do you know the You're show? looking at me as though I should know the yes. name of the character on Barney Miller. <laughs> no, Nothing uh, against Barney Miller. I'm 28 and I didn't have cable as a kid. So. Right. And there was no cable. Was Barney Miller. They were telling me about the, he was talking about the numbers of these shows uh, used to get, you know, um, they were maybe a top 10 show, 10 at the best. And just uh, dwarfed uh, Seinfeld's numbers. So, so many people were watching network television at that point. 
And so anyway, he was just saying basically it's being in the moment and uh, just really being present, and that's all there is to it. It's the Sound of Young America from MaximumFun.org. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guest is Al Madrigal, whose new comedy album is called Half Breed. I mentioned I'm Mexican. I'm actually a half Mexican. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Uh, uh, get used to it, because in about three to five years, you're all going to be related to one. I guarantee you. Whether you like it or not, no matter how much you've prepared your family, you're going to show up at Thanksgiving one of these years and walk in and say, Hey, this is bullshit. This is where we start serving flan. And who the fuck is that guy? Uh, Hello, can I call you dad? No. Can't call me dad. What's happening? What's happening is somebody's boning a Latino. That's what's happening. Could be your sister. It could be your cousin. It could happen to you. Now, a lot of questions. Nobody panic. I'm just a modern-day Paul Ramirez. Warn you that the Mexicans are coming. Because really what's happening is there's a Latin breeze sweeping the country. Have you felt the breeze, ma'am? Have you had yourself a Latin lover in your day prior to this guy behind you? No? We can go back in the kitchen right now and get that take, get it taken care of. Mexicans will have sex with you, it's true. All you gotta do is go back there and ask. It doesn't matter if you're black, if you're Asian, if you're missing limbs, Mexicans will fuck it, right? Uh, your first big acting role was on this show, The Ortegas, where they were looking specifically for a Latino actor. Um, your new CD is called Half Breed. Yeah, I'm and, half Mexican. And, the th- and one of the themes of the CD is the fact uh, that as uh, a guy who's half Mexican, half Sicilian, right? Yeah. Um, as a guy who's half Mexican, half Sicilian, d- didn't grow up speaking Spanish, um, grew up in the in the inner sunset in San Francisco, you know, where you're mostly likely to be having a, somebody named Meehan uh, yeah, exactly. uh, down the street from you. Um, rather than someone named Ortega, um, have you ever felt have you felt comfortable in the world of Latino comedy? It's a it's a very well defined and, and lucrative world, especially for a um, you know especially for a maybe for a beginning stand up comic for somebody in the middle of their career. You know you can get gigs that way. Sure, yeah. Have you ever have you felt at home there? Oh, not really. No, never. I mean, but um, it, last night I'm running this. I'm going to be on the Tonight Show. Um, I'm not sure when this is going to air, but um, I'm going to be on the Tonight Show on Wednesday. And um, I was running the set, and I was at the Latino show last night at the Laugh Factory. Uh, it was hosted by a friend of mine, this uh, uh, Joey Medina, and went up. And um, it always goes very well. I go by and do these refried Fridays. And, you know, I just don't. I find myself not doing any. Latino material. All of my Latino material seems to be for a mixed race crowd. Uh, but, and um, I'm talking about the Mexican party supply stores and uh, where they have pinatas out in front of superheroes you can't identify. And you know, it's like, yeah, I think that's Spider Man. I'm not sure. There's some Barrio Geppetto in the back making the stuff. Like, oh, this is Spider Man. I got my Spider Man a cape. My Spider-Man can fly, Stanley. <laughs> and so uh, I'm talking about that. It's like, you know, all those references mixed in and stuff like that. And for the most part, this Latino audience is really getting some of that stuff. And I'm talking about this new generation of Latinos that understands a lot of, like, the quick, quick references that I do and a lot of pop culture stuff. And so it's just like this weird person that is out there. I just did this show at the Ice House. And these kids came up. 
and uh, dark as can be. They didn't speak any Spanish, and there's a we. They looked at me and they're like, "Dude, we got everything. Thank you." And they had a little bit of an accent, you know. It was like that is my audience. These are the guys that are just like me. I'm not alone. Like half Mexicans and um, Latinos that are third and fourth generation that grew up not speaking any Spanish come up to me all the time. So this weird, I'm in this weird category of like uh, Latino alternative that doesn't really exist. <laughs> <laughs> so. It's just me, you know, and it's strange. You know, you have George Lopez, who I think is very fine, what he's been able to do, and, but he's first. You know, it's like he's, whenever you're first, um, it's going to be a little bit easier for you. You see, Paul Rodriguez and George Lopez, I mean, just, you're able to cash in, you're speaking, you're, um, you have everybody at your disposal. And think about how difficult it is for a Caucasian comic to carve out a little niche for himself and be special. It's, everything's been done before. But when you're a Latino comic or you know, an African-American comic, and so like Richard Pryor is like carving out this whole new category, it's just pretty... Uh, it's 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 uh, probably a little bit easier to do than you know some just bland you know white guy just trying to sling jokes, um, and so and you've got George and Carlos Mencia, and um, Gabriel Iglesias and Pablo Francisco and then Willie Barcena and Jeff Garcia and then me. <laughs> I'll let you guys in on something embarrassing. Uh, I'm uh, I'm the worst Mexican ever. So now you guys know I went to French school. And I'm trying to be a better Mexican. I got the CDs in my car, How to Be a Better Mexican. Uh, I'm on the third CD right now called Stab and Twist. Uh, and uh, I'm trying to get there, all right? I got my culture robbed for me. I'm going to get it back. But now, because I do stand-up comedy and because of my uh, last name, I get offered all kinds of gigs, uh, Cinco de Mayo gigs, right? And so I got to do these gigs. The money's too good to pass up. $2,000 for 20 minutes each day. So that's a $4,000 weekend for me to show up and do 40 minutes work. It sounds like a no-brainer, right? Right, uh, and so I'll never do it again. Let me tell you why. I show up at the gig and I'm driving there with my wife. And they say, my wife says, "Turn up the radio station. They have a commercial for you on the oldie station there." And I turn it up, and this is how it goes. We have a big Latino comedy jam, and Al Madrigal is going to be there. I'm in my car going, "Wow!" So that's how you say it. Right? <laughs> anyway. I go up on stage, and I have this weird fantasy in my head where some old Edward James almost character is going to stand up and go, Mijo, we embrace you even though you don't speak Spanish, right? And then cholos are going to raise me on their shoulders and parade me out of there. But really what happened is I did the Paquito thing, and the guy stands up right in the middle and goes, He doesn't speak Spanish! Ah! Real Mexican Braveheart shit, right? So then I keep going and going and going. I'm trying to be professional. And the guy starts flipping me off violently. You ever been flipped off, sir? Sure you have. Right? How about you, pal? All the time. Uh, so, uh, what happens is uh, this guy's flipping me off violently. I'm not sure if you ever got this one where the guy's going, shaking and holding it. And then he's leading people in boos against me. 20 people are booing. 80 people are booing. And finally, I broke down. I said something I shouldn't have. I said, look, you guys, this isn't exactly a dream gig for me either. I'm stuck in Stockton of all godforsaken places. And the best part about it is I get to leave. And you people are stuck here for the rest of your miserable lives. Now, I'm taking the money and I'm being paid handsomely. I'm going to blow it in outlet malls in the outskirts of every shitty city like yours. So fuck off. Uh, and so you're out, the guy stands back up and goes, he's got money. And then I ended up jumping a fence like a salmon while the black security guards laughed at me. That's how that shit ends up. If 
Viva la Mexico. Well, Al, thank you so much for being on the San Diego. Sure, it thanks. Was great um, to have you. And I'll see you in uh, six years when I have the, <laughs> the next record comes out. Al Madrigal's brand new uh, compact disc is Half Breed. That's our time for another Sound of Young America program. I have been your host, Jesse Thorne, America's Radio Sweetheart. The show produced by Speaking Into Microphones. Our theme music provided by Dan Wally along with the rest of our music. Our editor is Nick White. Our intern is John Kemp. You can find us online at MaximumFun.org. And if you have thoughts about the show, you can always email them to me. My personal email address, yes, this is my real email address, is jesse at MaximumFun.org. J-E-S-S-E at MaximumFun.org. We'll see you next time right here on The Sound of Young America. <laughs>